0: Welcome to New Books and Jewish Studies, a channel on the New Books Network. I'm your host today, Rachel Edelman, Professor of Hebrew Bible at Hebrew College in Boston. Today I have invited Dr. Ruth Kara Ivanov-Kaniel to speak to us about her book, Holiness and Transgression, The Mothers of the Messiah in Jewish Myth, published in 2017 by Academic Studies Press, but it was originally written in Hebrew as Kadeshot Ukedoshot Imahot HaMashiach B'Amitos HaYehudi in
2: 2014.
0: So Dr. Ruth Kara Ivanov-Kaniel is a faculty member at the Department of Jewish Thought at Haifa University, a research fellow at the Tel Aviv Institute for Contemporary Psychoanalysis, and the Shalom Hartman Institute in Jerusalem. Her research focuses on Jewish mysticism, messianic myth, gender theory, and psychoanalysis. So, I just want to welcome you, Ruth, to the New Books Network. And I want to ask you a few questions. What motivated you to write this book on Mothers of the Messiah?
3: Shalom, Rachel. Uh, Hello, I'm really happy to be here and thank you for your uh, invitation and also the dialogue we had a few years ago. And you also wrote about this uh, enigmatic dynasty of the Messianic Mothers. So I think we share interest in this big mythical theme. Um, I would start, I think, with a question that I had as a young uh, woman. I had always interest in uh, paradoxes and contradiction between, I think, antinomianism and holiness, the, the places where the borders of the law create the heart of the law, and the heart, maybe it's more important, of the holiness. In Hebrew, it's, it's really amazing how gdeshot and gdoshot, the, the most, the holiest place is built on ruins of transgression. So this paradox, how come that the Messiah is born from the hardest sins, such as incest, adultery, harlotry, promiscuity? Why the Messiah should come from all this dark side of life? And what the Jewish myth through the ages trying to tell us by using a lineage, biographical lineage. You know, biography, it's a huge uh, thing. Uh, Nietzsche said that the most important thing is biography. So it's a biography of women, starting with the Lord Daughters. And then the story of Tamar. Maybe later we will talk more about a, a specific sum. Uh, parts of these stories and details, and then the story of Ruth and Boaz, but this all lineage go through the same pattern of transgression. So this paradox always strikes me, and I try to understand how the commentators later, Hazal and then the Kabbalists, what they did with this contradiction between a prohibition and, and a transgression and holiness. How would they build that explanations to themselves why the Messiah coming from these uh, hard stories and, and this way of uh, birth?
0: Okay, before, so before we launch into this, the particular stories of the daughters of Lot and Tamar and Judah and um, Ruth and Boaz, I want to ask you a personal question, if I may. So in your interest, <laughs> you wrote that you are the daughter of a refusniks, right? Like Sharansky, Jews in the Soviet Union that were involved with the renewal of Hebrew and Jewish learning, and then were forbidden exit visas to leave the Soviet Union to come to Israel. So how old were you when you came to Israel? And um, can you tell me more about what that impact of being the child of Refusenex might have had on you and whether it, you think it informs this really interesting theme in your book on um, transgression and gender in the roots of messianic dynasty? It's a big, big question. Uh, Let's
2: see big it's a big question, very
3: right. biographical. Yeah. Yes, as of course, this is also a feministic question because part of a writing in this tradition of feministic reading and writing means that you can uh, situate yourself with your
2: background and, and somehow...
3: Yeah, the personal.
2: Yeah, bring the personal.
3: Yeah, the person. It's like riddles of our life which leads us also to questions of research because research is always somehow involved in our very personal uh, biography. So I can say that in some way I grew up in a mythical childhood. So maybe Mm. it's also why I deal so much with this concept of myth. Myth not as a um, something not true, rather as in in ancient uh, they use Mythos, mythos, as, as the story about gods, about connection between human and divine, a, a story that um, inform our life, that it imprint in every ritual and in our deeds.
0: Yeah, so myth so, as foundational narrative
3: that makes exactly. of our life. Yeah, yeah, and it's like uh, something to look at. So I grew up in a mythical reality. Indeed, my parents were uh, brave and very in. in- they are still inspiring people, they uh, were leaders of underground community, Uh, they studied Hebrew and it was of course um, very dangerous and in everyday confrontation with the Soviet regime and uh, also studying Torah in underground, we we switched houses, I was eight when I uh, we made Aliyah, immigrated to Israel, but my parents tried to immigrate uh, when I was born. So for years, we were refuseniks, and in order to run away from the KGB, who visited our home uh, many times, so they they switched uh, apartments and uh, the places of study, and it was really like Living in a myth, in a in a unbelievable story, I myself sometimes cannot believe that this is my childhood. And I think I also I grew up in very unique environment where people from all ages, women and men, studying together Talmud and Kabbalah and Hebrew. And one of uh, those who sit around the table, he many people came. Uh, they had. Um, American, I think, passports and, and foreign fa- passports, they came to teach as if they were tourists. And it was really a nefesh, uh, yeah. danger of life. And, uh, I saw st- th- those people. I studied from them and I heard the Hebrew, the Aramaic, the Aramaic of the Bavli and the Aramaic of the Zoran And somehow this language imprinted on my soul. I feel also on the other hand, that I studied a lot from early childhood about the tension and gaps between myth and reality. So in some way, the book I wrote, my first book, dealing with the feminine dynasty, trying to uh, connect in a dialogue, the big story, the myth, which holds contradictions and dark side and transgression with the question about women, women life, reality. What is, I will just give you an example, but questions of agency, of freedom of choices, of borders, of oppression, and the prices women pay for, for their freedom. So, so I feel both them raised up also in my childhood in, yeah. in a living a contradictive reality and this paradoxical and myster- mysterious. Uh, life of of uh, of the Jewry of Soviet Union
0: in these years. Wow! Wow! Incredible! Incredible! Okay, so l- let's dive into some of these stories. They're amazing stories. Um, so uh, so you characterize a paradigm, right? A, a, a really kind of a type scene using Robert Alter's uh, terminology of um, a mother. Who, a woman who deceives the patriarch um, in order to conceive the seed, right? It's a seduction, att- attempted seduction. So tell me this, just tell me briefly what are the stories of the daughters of Lot, Judah and Tamar, and Ruth, those three stories that you engage with in depth? And what do these three stories have in common?
2: So I would start with just briefly
3: noting that the type scene, I think it's very important to emphasize that all the messianic lineage, the mothers of the Messiah, first of all, they're foreigners, foreign women.
2: And... It already raises the question:
3: do we use these women in order to do the, the uh dirty job? We don't want we bring the Moabites, the Cnanites. I know that it's before the the uh, establishment of nationalism when we speak about law daughters, of course, but but yet we see that they're foreigners. The daughter of law, the first story, is the origins of Ruth the Moabite because the the Older uh, daughter of Lot, after the destruction of Sodom, she got pregnant with a son called Moab, Meav, from the father. So we have here a very hard story of two daughters. The other one called her son uh, Amon, Ben-Ami, which is more gentle way to speak about this incest and adultery. But the first story is, is the hardest story in many mm-hmm. ways. Women in a total cosmic destruction, ruins of the city, which also symbolize ruins of the world. They thought that the world is destructed. That's why they slept with their father and seduced him. So the the this the, it's a story of a gnevad zera. You steal this sperm, but but it's in a way a world is destructed. They, they are the only women in left. In the whole world, their father is the only man in the world left. So in this story we also see, uh, to add to the concept of destruction and the taboo of transgression, which is the most severe in this lineage, because later the connection will be again, as you said, stories of deceiving father figures and men in order to give birth to this messianic son. But here we see also absence of a mother figure. Her mm-hmm. mother at the moment looking back at the distru- uh, destruction of the city, which we can say is the most normal uh, way of handling reality, to look back. But she, she becomes this, um, uh, how do you call it? Pillar, pillar, pillar of salt. The pillar of salt, exactly. Yes. <laughs>
2: It's, it's kind of a way of
3: uh, predicting the future and it's kind of response to trauma. You can become a of looking back instead of looking forth and, and acknowledging what is going to happen in the cave of Tzuak. So these two daughters, they have sons from their father and what is also very important in this lineage that the, the father figure his. Here he is not symbolic father figure, he is a father indeed. He yeah. didn't recognize, he didn't know, and also the church fathers, they ask, how come you sleep with your daughter and you don't know? So it's a statement, it's a striking statement about recognition, you wrote about recognition beautifully, and you know, it's, it's a question of it's also sexual, of, of course, knowledge, and he's not there. So the midrash will say, "Who was there? Who is the father? It's God. Moab, the upper father, is God." We have wow. here a we say connection in the first story. I will move on, but I I just want to say that in the first story we see contradiction between the myth and question of agency of gender and also of abuse of rape or in some way, I say rape because. Few minutes ago, in uh, Genesis nineteen, the beginning of a story starts that their father Lot says to the people of the city, "Don't touch my guest, please. But I have two daughters, virgins, and you can do them whatever you want." So we see here very a uh, painful example of of not protected girls. Uh, yes. His father suggest them to rape by the whole city, which is right. traumatic. And even though it didn't happen. And then later, Middah can I get Middah?
0: Measure for measure.
3: Yeah. Measure for measure. They abuse him or use their uh, Zera, his sperm, and, and become pregnant from him. So this is the first story. The second story speaks about Gdesha, which we can call holy prostitute or holy harlot. And Tamari is an amazing figure. Already in the Bible, very strong and impressive woman. Here in the Azar, she became the Shchina, and there is a lot to say about that. But I will just say that she is a symbol of someone who is struggling for justice, because Judah promised her his little son after the death of Erendonan, and she's fighting her for her justice. So she's masquerading herself and she's disguising herself. In all these stories, we see, which is also part part of the type scene that I suggest night and wine and masquerade and whale or handkerchief. So it's it's kind of uh, attributes that help to uh, not exactly recognize who is who, what I, when doing, called bed trick. So we have stories of bed tricks. The bed trick. In,
2: right. Yeah.
3: So the cave is kind of a womb, which... Hide itself, and then Petach the opening of the eyes, which is actually covering of the eyes, because she's covered. So he, he he could not recognize her. Again, we have here Lo Yadaki Kalatoi. He doesn't know that she is the. Uh, the question Modern is how we read. Yeah. So yeah. it's a daughter of in law or his Kala, his promised and planned wife, and um. Bride. Is she
0: oh, his yeah, bride, bride or is she his? Right, that ambiguity of how to understand that term, kala bride no or, or daughter in law. Beautiful. Is she the death
2: one?
3: Exactly. Yeah. So, the star will add third meaning, kala shon kilayon, from world destruction, flaming. Kilui, it's, it's something uh, flaming. So, she is also the one who can burn the whole world. She, she is full of this fire also as part of, of her fight for and struggle for justice and it, indeed in this story we have already kind of development because again it's a seduction and disease and, and bad tricks and masquerade but at the end Judah says, she's right, more than me. So already there is a dialogue between this father figure who is really a father of her first husband and father-in-law, and then her husband, and Judah. So Judah recognized Tamar, and it's a development. And the last story is the beautiful book of Ruth. Uh, There's a lot to say. (laughs) You will agree with me, I'm sure, about this journey of two women. Especially if we think about Tamar, uh, who is alone in a in a male world in a patriarchal uh, society and environment she is going from hand to hand shovi uh no or about Naomi. Tamar. oh Tamar.
2: Tamar, Tamar. yeah Tamar.
3: Uh, she's going back to the father of her uh, to the house of her father uh, beta via right
2: and
3: there is uh, and Judah and er Aaronan and, and almost no women to protect her. We spoke about right. the daughters of the absence of the mother, and then Tamar is alone in a male world. And suddenly, we we get to a story of women. Feminist writers said, "Book was written by a woman because it's it's such a feminine story. It's a private. It's the it's it's the opposite of history. It's the her story. It's." Mm-hmm. Uh, with this uh, widowhood and uh, famine, hunger, and death again. All these stories starting with death and this. And it goes again to a birth of a son, as in the case of Moab, and then Peretz, and here uh, Ishai, and Bo, uh, Bo, Ishai, and then David, and uh, Obed, Ishai, David, I'm sorry, the, the baby is Oved. So, this story of sisterhood suggests kind of a. Uh, Repair to the whole lineage. That's how I see it. It's the most gentle stories. There is a sublimation. It's not incest. It's not prostitution. It's not harlotry. We see here something very gentle in the threshing floor. We don't know what exactly happened there, but there is a dialogue there between men and a woman. And although Naomi tells Ruth, go and he will tell you what to do. You should be beautiful and... A uh, uh, quiet, as uh, we can put it. Yeah. Ruth, Let us tell you what to Ruth do. Says, right. What? Perfume, <inaudible> dress. <inaudible> <inaudible> yeah. Nahon, <inaudible> <Yeah. inaudible> he will say what you should do. But Ruth, she says to him, you are my redeemer," and it's 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 a turning point of a woman with a voice and a choice. So one of the m- main questions I try to, to deal with is the question of choice and, and agency. Mm-hmm. There is this problem that women in a patriarchal world, in oppression, they, they use and exploit their bodies because this is the only resource they have, the body, the sexuality. Mm-hmm. Yet we see this transformation and development of the stories that if the daughter of Lot has have almost no choice, Tamar, she has the choice to cover herself and to manipulate in order to get justice. And Ruth, it's it's, it's she has a voice, she has a choice, much bigger choice, and she has now me as a mother figure, as a sister, is- as a big so it's, it's very strong to see also the feminine narrative hidden in these stories. Hidden. Yeah, hidden in
2: these
0: stories. Beautiful. Um, so I want to push you a little bit because in chapter, you had a really beautiful reading of chapter four where you juxtapose the feminine genealogy and the masculine genealogy. So the book of Ruth in chapter four ends with 10 generations from Peretz to then the child born to uh, Ruth and Boaz, called Oved, then um, all the way to David, who will be the king that's what we're told, and sort of that justifies the book of Ruth's integration into the canon, some people say, but then you point out this really interesting genealogy at the end of chapter four, where judah and tamar are mentioned right um the house of Perez, whom tamar and judah begot whoever heard of the house of Perez, right the ancestor of david and then uh also rachel and Leah are mentioned right the right and that that's so we have this whole feminine genealogy that's mentioned can you tell me a little bit more about what you make uh the juxtaposition between let's say the female uh, genealogy and the male seed. which is the Standard, you know, he begat him, da-da-da-da-da. The standard begats. But, yes.
3: Yeah. So, so as you said, that. in the Bible, the genealogies usually are very laconic. And what we learn, if we read only biblical text, that men give birth to men. That's what we have in life. Life built it on lineage of men. And I think it's, it's very um, poetic and creative how the end of the book of Ruth uses another way telling history and her story. Because there is a feminine genealogy, it doesn't go from one directly to the next generation, it jumps through generations. So we have Ruth and Naomi, and we hear the voices of the daughter of Lot because Ruth is Moabite and again the destruction connected to the hunger and all these traumatic events and the seduction and the disease and we hear and then we, we get bracha, it's a blessing at the gate of the law, the, the patriarchal blessing goes back intertextually to the whole biblical stories, which we can say we should take them out of the Bible, we should uh, be quiet about them, and the book of fruit emphasizes them, speaking about the the voices, how King David was born, and what is the way he came into this uh, world. So, I think Rachel and Leah it's also a very important example. They are not directly mothers of the Messiah in a sense that Leah is the mother of Judah, so she's also important but but the way the the book of Ruth brings them back is very important also to the Christian narrative, which maybe we will talk a little bit yeah. about who built it together? Right. We know that Messiah is son of David, yeah. but Leah is the mother of Joseph, and there is also this myth of the Messiah of Rachel. Joseph,
0: is so is the mother of, Rachel is the mother of Joseph. Yeah.
3: Yeah. Rachel And Leah of the
0: Judah.
3: Mother. Yeah. So putting them together, him mm. who built it together, the yeah. house of Israel. This is the way also of Jesus, who, who is indeed son of Joseph and son of David in the genealogy of Matthew. And
0: really interesting. Matthew's genealogy,
3: yeah. So, it's also a, it's, it's a unique way of making peace between these two struggling sisters. We call mm. the names of children. Hashem Kisnoani it's such a traumatic name uh, name calling yeah. Of, yeah. of babies. So, Reuven,
0: God sees my suffering. You know, Lady, uh, you know. Perhaps my fa- my father will accompany me. My my husband will accompany. Yeah. So this is about her sorrow. Yeah. Sorrow <laughs> 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 <laughs>
3: also. naftali. <laughs> <laughs> Rachel says, This oh, yes. <laughs> 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 the intertwining.
0: Yeah, beautiful. Um. Yeah, and that also Rachel and Leah in in uh, in uh, rabbinic reading in midrash also entails a bed trick, an exchange of signs and a de- deception on the wedding. The night.
3: women in one bed. One is uh, yes. on the bed and talking. It's bed. like uh, Yaakov and Esav, whose yeah. voice is Indeed, the voice
0: you hear. Yeah. So I want to go back. Um, So I want to look deep. There's another Midrash that you bring in. Um, So we have a combination of deception. We have foreignness. We have disguise. We have transgression, what you've called the antinomian tendency. Um, I just want you to flesh out what is the antinomian component? to the book of Ruth. How is that transgression subtly conveyed? And I also want to ask you whether you see a progression from the daughters of Lot to Judah and Tamar and to um, the book of Ruth. So just unpack that transgression that's going on, there, the transgressive element.
3: So if we aim um focus on this motive which I, if you ask me personally, eventually, I started with transgression, writing my book, and I ended up with uh, a myth of birth, and that's why my next book was, the second book was about birth in a psychoanalysis and Kabbalah, but I started with the paradox of sin and redemption. yeah, And I saw First story, there is the taboo of adultery and incest, which we know in the Leviticus, in the, in the chapters of Isurei uh, of the prohibition of incest. It's like the most uh, illicit and, and uh, severe sin, and it's connected to um, the, the purity of blood. It's connected also to the symbol that God is the husband in the Bible, and uh, the nation is the wife, and all kinds of adultery under this rubric of Gilway yot. How do you translate Gilway so, uh, It's, it's, it's a, I would say, sexual transgression,
0: because it includes all sorts. It's not just incest, but it also includes lying with a woman who's menstruous. Um, it includes... Uh, adultery, so it's it's a broad. So I would say forbidden sexual relation. Literally, it means the revealing of the naked, right? Exactly. Right. yeah. So it's really interesting.
3: Yeah. So um, so it's connected to, to the idea that um, idolatry, idolatry, idolatry. idolatry,
0: idolatry
3: and idolatry. adultery connected in in the biblical uh, mythical thought, especially in in the prophets. God, yes, once Hushea and Yecheskel, God's uh, possess the nation, and every turning to, to another God is kind of Avodah Zarah. So So, all, all very emphasized in the biblical uh, yeah. text.
2: Yeah.
3: It's not a mistake that the Messiah, the first story of the birth of Ruth the Moabite in the cave. Of law, daughter starts with, I think it's, it's it's in purpose. Starts with incest, and hard incest, which which is a there is a lot to say because in the Bib- biblical law it's not mentioned father and daughters. It's right. something the uh, also missing. very puzzling missing, yeah. but it's the most important thing. It's almost as if it's uh, deliberately
0: repressed, like the father daughter incest motif is deliberately repressed in the Bible, which is fascinating. Take from Erkensky writes about that. Uh, yeah.
3: Yeah, that's right. What do you make I thought of that? Also, uh, I also thought about uh, uh, Claude Levi-Strauss, who, who is mm. writing about the structure of kinship, and he puts this, this taboof incest as the beginning of culture. Mm. And how uh, so interesting, the circle that is already in the Bible built between like the end of the Messiah and the beginning of time which starts with destruction of Sodom kind of repeating of the the flow and the first
0: first act of father-daughter incest is Adam and Eve. Eve is born of Adam.
3: That's right. So this is one. The other reading that it's an incest of a a brother and sister. Um, You can say that this kind of uh, equality and Otto uh, Rank said mm -hmm. and others. See, anyway, (laughs) all cultures in Greek and in Egypt, every culture starts with incest because there is only one source to start with. So you must Mm -hmm. use your flesh in order to procreate. It's it's really strong. Then we have a repetition of it in Sodom. Mm-hmm. So I think, uh, speaking about uh, religion and culture, it's ca- kind of a way of reform, um, uh, unraveling the unraveling.
0: unraveling
3: culture back. You unravel it to its sources. To the moment, it's I thought, to overvote, to the beginning the, well, of yeah, time.
0: Chaos and, yeah, chaos, the beginning uh, of chaos. Yeah, and then culture is about um, sublimating
3: Holding. that primary incest. Yes, exactly. That's what I'm trying to say. So in order to, to give birth to Messiah, you must unravel, you must uh, deal with, a dark side, you must deal with destruction, otherwise he cannot be the redeemer. He needs mm. to, these two addictive uh, qualities in himself in order to redeem. It's also very interesting just to note here that the Messiah is not the hero of the story. He's just the, the, the product. He's the, the fruit. But the stories are in the Bible and then in the Midrash and in the Zor, the story struggle, and pay such a high price in order to labor this baby. This is the story. So you asked me about sublimation and about the, the this uh, gentle transgression in a book of proof. So Gdesha in the story of Tamar, of course, it's also the, the one of the uh, prohibited relations between uh, father-in-law and, and uh, Tamar and Judah. This is the of Gdesha, and that's why she's almost born on the fire when she becomes pregnant. In the story of Ruth, it's interesting to note that Yosefus, for example, he said nothing happened there in the threshing floor. So why, why he has the need to say nothing happened? Because the rumors say, of course, he came to her that night, and maybe this is the result of Midrash that was died the night after she became pregnant. So, there is a tension there between law, the correct and the uncorrect, the innocent and the, uh, the the not innocent.
0: Transgressive, uh, sexuality. yeah.
3: Sexuality. I think it's it's very it's not incest, it's not adultery, it's not uh harlotry, but something going uh, on there and it repeating, as you said, return of the repressed of all other stories of bubbleness and tricks and um, masquerade in
2: the Yeah, beautiful. Okay, and so you think
0: that it's uh, deliberately ambiguous as to whether a seduction takes place in the threshing floor scene. Um, But I think for me, I mean, I've written about this a little bit, uh, that uh, the important thing is that there's a conversation and there's a recognition, whereas Judah didn't recognize Tamar when they had sexual relations, she disguised herself as a harlot. And certainly uh, Lot was completely drunk when he had sex with his, right? It says he did not know her lying down and her getting up, right? Um, so really this is very different, right? And he, uh, sh- there's recognition, there's, there's, there's consciousness. And- uh, I agree. Yeah.
3: and. That, I just say that I love a lot. I love your reading. I think it's it's a key uh, verb. Hakerna. Yes. It's like the what is the moment? Please recognize. Yeah. Please recognize. Yeah. Yeah. What is the moment for the woman to recognize herself that she has her own voice and she can hear it for herself first of all, and then say it out loud. So. The daughter of Lot, they're stukiot; they have no voice. They're Especially silent. The yes, the they're totally silent. Then Tamar, she says, not at the moment of the oppression, not at the moment of the, of uh, of Petahena, yeah, of the seduction, but later she says, "Akerna." This is the please the recognize, yeah. She's asking for recognition, and mm. then in the Book of there is, as you wrote beautifully, indeed recognition and dialogue. Yeah. Yet, it's interesting and this is the brilliance and, and really the, the poetic uh, the way the Book of Truth is written is always ambiguous in each verse. When she's coming back from this night with Boaz, now me asking her who as if she doesn't know who is she. So yeah. the Midrash she- what happened there because yeah. it transformed the woman so again we see and also Boaz asks her who are you and these questions yeah. I think it's like the question of God to Adam like who are you you should answer your, yourself so it's a lot about also self-recognition Beautiful. and here we say it's development we see development yeah. in this
1: Slash NBN 50 to get 50% off.
0: Yeah, so that's sort of a, a redemptive arc that takes us through those three main stories. So that brings us into a text that I want to, you to share with us, to read with us. Um, I'm gonna, it's from the Zohar, and maybe you can give us a little bit of background on what the Zohar is and this particular text that we're gonna look at. It's on, if people buy the book, I hope people will buy this book. It's on page 190 of the book, and um, I'm going to read a little section from the Czar F- first. maybe you tell us a little bit of background. I'll read it, and uh, I want to see what you do with this text, because you are a brilliant reader of text. of, uh, you know, that's, that's what I love about your creative, psychoanalytic and anthropological approach to, to reading it.
2: Um, So give us a little bit of background on Zohar, and then we'll dive deep into this text.
3: Thank you, Rachel. Before I give a brief introduction to the Zohar, I just want to say a word about psychoanalysis. So I I did a psychoanalysis in my research with gender theory and also psychoanalytic theory. Uh, Because I feel that this text, and especially the Zohar, which is a mystical composition Written in Castile at the end of 13th century, although it's masquerading itself as pseudo epigraphic Tanaic text century kind of in, yeah. in the cave of Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai, speaking about caves and uh, hidden uh, secrets and uh, fire burning, right? <laughs> he burns up the yeah, world like is tomorrow. <laughs> exactly. And uh, the Zohar, as I see it, uh, especially the Zohar, we can say it about Kabbalah, but, but let's speak about the Zohar. The Zohar deals with the richness of the soul. We started with biography, so the Zohar believes that the the richest thing in the world is human biographies, mm-hmm. process, development of um, the brokenness of the soul and repair, and um, I think this moment we spoke of, uh, just now of self-recognition, it's a very psychological thing. That it's, This is the only person in life to recognize his role in this world, to understand himself. Da'etat'smecha, like, like this... Know yourself, state. know thyself. <sighs> yeah. yeah, exactly. So the Zohar building as a mythical text connection between divine and human, and this process of cleaving, vicut, cleaving to God or union mystica of goes through human biography. If we mm. deal for, if our stories, I would say that Tamar, Ruth, the daughter of Lot, they all part of the biography of the Shekhinah, the divine wow. concert, wife of God, she is part of divinity, but she is also identified with this world. Amazing. And all their stories happening in kind of ritual all the time. All the time, the Shekhinah goes to the cave of Tsar, and she's begetting a child from her father through wow. incest. Ah, should go to the darkest places as Tamar, who uh, w- Wailing herself sitting in this place called the opening of the eyes. So yeah, the Shina threshing floor. The Shina goes through these hard journeys in order to bring redemption, redemption to herself and also to the world, which is mm. she is us and we are her. So it's very paradoxical, and there is a symbolic language, and it's there is a mystical language, but it also, also deals with ten powers called the sphirod. And Shekhinah is the most important. Maybe she's the last, but not. She's like the upper, uh, because she's Malchut and Keter Malchut. She's like uh, the tenth, but also the first one. And uh, is a whole structure of language dealing with mystical reality, yet focus on the human story and in the on on this. Struggle to life and the feminine, which is maybe the most important, the the revolution in the Kabbalistic thought, maybe connected also to veneration of Mary in the Middle Ages, is the way Jewish writers give voice to a feminine subjectivity.
0: Subjectivity?
3: Sorry, subjectivity, yes, sorry. So it's personal and very feminine, and uh, maybe we'll read this uh, paragraph and then say something about uh, the symbolism of the Shekhinah in, in uh, also psychoanalytic sense and gender sense, how I see it. And of course I know that in some ways it's anachronistic to use theories, current theories on text written in the 13th century. But the Kabbalists they trying to speak the language of the soul, the riddles and the mystery of the dark side of humanity and uh, the, the enlightened parts, the Zohar is the book of light, uh, all the books of Kabbalah mainly called by name of enlightenment and, and uh, revelation and the eyes, opening of the eyes, speaking about Tamar, who opens the eyes of Judah and then of, of the world. So mm-hmm. let's read it. Okay, great. Okay, so I'm going to
0: take it up. So what we are do is we're back in in the scene of the threshing floor in, in Ruth in Chapter 3. And um, uh, he asked her, Boaz asks Ruth,
2: Biti, miat, my daughter, who are you in exile? Who are you at this moment?
0: And she replied, I am Ruth. Your handmaid, brimming. Okay, so there's a word, there's a play on word from Ruth. Uh, I am brimming with sorrow, overflowing with pain over my children in exile and over the holy palaces. For I have been exiled from my sanctuary and it is not enough that I've been banished But they abuse and curse me every day on account of them. And I have no voice in exile to respond.
2: So take it away. What do you do with that, you know, Ruth
3: as... I I remember how I read it first time, this uh, Rasha. I have a wonderful teacher. His name is Yudelibes. And I'm studying Zohar with him for 20 years. And I remember how first time we had the Chavruta, and I looked at these Aramaic word, words. I will say it in Aramaic. Let puma begaluta le'ashivlon. I have no...
2: Uh, I have no mouth.
3: I have no mouth. Yeah, I have no mouth. Right, uh, yeah. Yeah, that's what the tzar say in Aramaic which is the language it's written, it's like uh, Sholem and uh, Tishbi, they call the, the Aramaic of the Zohar artificial Aramaic because it's poetical language invented, not uh, used as spoken language. Lately Puma begaluta my PhD, and I started studying many theories in, in gender studies, so I thought about Gilligan mm-hmm. and thought about Kristeva uh, and losirigaray and about um, Helen Sixu, who, who writes how women they are writing with the uh, milk of their body instead of the phallic uh, pen, and all these images coming to me back about the voice, about uniqueness of, of the feminine uh, mouth and, and existence, and and I thought that it's amazing because I, I I knew that there are other readings in the Zohar speaking about the name Ruth. It's like full of meruva meruva, so she can be full of poetry. The Midrash says in the Talmud that why her name is Ruth, because King David came from her and he wrote songs to God and uh, poems. So that's why she's Ruth. She's full of potential through the... the so in English, we would use the
0: word soaked through.
3: Exactly. Uh, saturated. saturated. Yeah, but it's appropriation. And then the czar in a, in another place says, Ruth, it's such an optimistic name. She is writing herself poetry to God. So it's more feministic reading. But here, suddenly the, the picture twisted. We have a discussion at night between, between men and a woman, but at the same time, it's a discussion happens in a heavenly realm between God and the Shekhinah. And God is crying on the temple that he himself dis- destroyed. And he is screaming, we, we couldn't read the whole passage, but it's, it's a long drasha, a long homily. And then suddenly he's asking her, who are you? Which as you said, it's a moment, very uh, touching mom- moment of recognition of subject- subjectivity and of fully being standing in front of the other. And she's answering, I full of sorrow. And what does it mean to be full of sorrow for the Shekhinah? Not enough that there is destruction and I lost my children and she, 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 the house, the home, which is the image in Kabbalah of destruction of the private house is a symbol of the exile and the destruction of the temple. But I have no voice to answer to those who are cursing me. So I thought it's, it's amazing, Rasha, talking about the pain of the Shekhinah and trying to give voice to this feminine subject, to speak her pain. And then the answer of God, we we would not read it, but it's at the next page. Lini alayla. Boaz says to to Ruth, stay, wait till the end of the night. So how the Zohar will read it, uh, using the Midrash also, that night is a symbol of of the darkness, of of exile, of suffering. You should wait to the end of time of suffering, and then I will redeem you. So it's God saying to the Shekhinah, I promise to come back and redeem you. I'm not forgetting you. So this dialogue, this intimate uh, ability to talk, I think it's amazing to uh, project it onto divinity. We can say that the whole is projection, but when you get it back, you see how deep is human Relationship can be through the reading of the divine realm. Beautiful, beautiful. So Boaz is God, and Ruth is
0: the Shekhinah. And God and the Shekhinah are in this conversation, and God is saying to the Shekhinah, Wait, I know you're brimming with sorrow. Meruvat, you're brimming, you're soaked through with sorrow. Wait the night, sleep the night here. And then I will redeem you. And the very next morning, Boaz, at the gate of the law, redeems Ruth by giving her seed and, and redeeming uh, the land. And uh, and life finds a way, right, against all exactly. calamity. It's beautiful. Exactly. Really a, a beautiful... And my... It's a, an allegorical, but it's also psychological and intimate. Um, it's a very interesting weaving of
2: theology
0: through an allegorical reading of a very personal story, human story.
3: I agree. So this is the, the, the brightness of the Tsar. They, they are very good in doing exactly this weaving. And I think my aim was to be inspired by, by it, but also to recognize lack of agency and power here. So when I used it in the chapter about Ruth in the czar, I contradict two other texts talking about someone who redeeming herself, who is going to seduce Boaz. And the czar in another says that, of course, at that night, she, uh, she became pregnant and she seduces him and she was the active one. Here we see that her role is to wait, to suffer, mm. to ask, from the male mm. uh, yeah. power. Yeah. So she's waiting. She's passive. And I think it's it's also very strong talking about gender question, how the czar can speak both narratives about the Shinah. In some places, the Shinah she holds a gun and, and a, a sword, and she's indeed Amazon, kind of uh, <laughs> figure later on it was developed in Sabbatian Shab- and uh, Frankistic movement, these women who are inspired by the Shekhinah, who is the, the, the fighting, who is going in front of, of the whole nation to, to the war. And on the other hand, the Shekhinah sometimes is so weak, and also the enigmatic term, Vategal Margelotav, she uncovered his feet, which you, also connected to Gilot, as you said, to, uh, to revealing nakedness in this, she's falling into dust, she's crying, she's broken. In other reading, she's doing some transgressive deed and seduces him. So it's beautiful to see how the Zohar used enigmatic biblical term and reads it in two different ways. Beautiful. Um, so we're going to,
0: we're on our we're we're moving towards the end of our conversation. I just want to, uh, for those who are not Jewish, um, who are familiar with the Christian tradition, in your epilogue, you engage with the story of Mary as a sort of a sequel or perhaps informative of the Zohar tradition on these three transgressive women. Can you say a little bit about what Mary, uh, Mary and how she fits into this and um maybe as a point of contrast, or, um, yeah, tell
2: me, tell me. uh, Uh, Okay, so, um, I think what I
3: tried to raise as a question was the anomality of messianic myth, (laughs) in a sense that if we are talking about archetypes mm. just like Ruth, Tamar, the Daughters of Lot and also another figure I will mention her in a moment there are not a model we can imitate. Oh. It's a kind of oscillation between virginity, the story of Mary who was found pregnant by the Holy Ghost or this seductive, active, mm-hmm. and strugging others are also, in a way, are an- it's anomaly in the okay, sense that... Okay, so you that, mean anomalous? Can- Do you mean anomalous?
0: Yeah, yeah anomalous. Yeah, exactly. they, sorry. They, I'm
3: sorry can- for yeah. my English. Yeah. No, it's... Yeah, Thank I
0: you. can... Okay. So they're anomalous in the sense that we, can- we
2: don't live out their stories in our own life.
3: It's very radical and just... Yes. And it's not, uh, it's one of the main paradoxes, I think, before we go to polemic and and dialogue between Judeo-Christian culture, that a woman who wants to imitate Mary's way, she needs a virginal birth, she needs a a miracle, but but it's not the, the normal way women want to fulfill their motherhood and sexuality. So on the one hand, there is a contradiction between Mary and the mothers of the Messiah in the Bible. In a sense, she was found. She is not uh, enthusiastic in, in this scene in uh, Matthew. And they are doing so much and working so hard in order to give birth in reality of uh, hunger and destruction and uh, suffer and widowhood and so on. Yet, it's interesting that Matthew, starting with the genealogy of Jesus, as the Vedic lineage, as the myth, as continuation of the biblical text, he uses four names of women. Again, it's a genealogy of men, as all the biblical genealogies, but he, inside this text, we, we suddenly find these four women. So we have Ruth and Tamar, of course, we know, and then two women who are not clearly part of the genealogy, but, but Sheva, who is a the mother of Solomon and the wife of David after an act of adultery and, and a, such a hard scene in Samuel, and Rachav, about whom we know that her role was, that she was a prostitute. So Rachav is not connected maybe to the lineage, but she signs, again, the same narrative of foreign women, but Sheva, I think she was pitied, and uh, Rahab, Her, her not, husband was a Hittite. Hittite. So maybe we yeah. don't know. We don't know. Anyway, he could be an outsider. Yeah. He is yeah. half an outsider or a foreigner. And then Rachav, Ruth, Tamar, and Bathsheba. There are the genealogy of Jesus from the feminine side, the her story. And then we come to Mary. So I suggested in the book that Mary is the return of the repressed of this feminine genealogy. On the one hand, she is the opposite, but at the same time, virginity is also a way
2: of transgression. It's a way of,
3: it's like the other other seed. Bringing another seed. (laughs) Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Another seed. Bringing seed from God. Mm -hmm. And this seed, root of this seed, is part of the same lineage our tension of, of transgression again it's a way of, Then we have in the midrash many examples of uh, explanations that reflect the influence of christian a uh, myth as as you said just now moab from the upper father it sounds clearly influence of the mary herself was born from okay so um yeah so
0: so there's a, I mean, I, I think also in your introduction you hint at this sort of primal tension between sexuality and motherhood. And uh, Mary is at the apex of it. But that connection goes all the way back to um, this incestuous, transgressive, um, mothers of the Messiah motif. Um, so I want to. It's all fascinating. Um, So, Ruth, do you want to say anything more about this tension between sexuality, seduction, and motherhood, which you spoke
2: about quite uh, movingly in your introduction? I would say that for me, when I wrote the book as a child, a um, question of
3: fulfillment of different aspects of femininity, I would say, and of motherhood. Sometimes contradictive. I saw it, for example, in this uh, myth of the birth of Jesus also as, as kind of maybe a tragic moment that Mary, she's, she, she has no choice. And also the mothers of the Messiah in the Bible, in a way, they have a very narrow choice. But they're the compelled. From, what do you say? Say it they're again.
2: Compelled. They're compelled. They're compelled to compelled. do this drastic action.
3: And they live on the edge and they are compelled and they use the resources they have, which is seduction and temptation. and and promiscuity. I, I feel that for me, dealing with these narratives and writing about them, it was really important in a sense, uh, you know, also psychoanalytically speaking, every person looks for his own redemption. Geulah, it's not only this redeemer, the messiah, the person, that does. it's something symbolic in your soul, what you can suggest to yourself as a redemption as an answer to an an enigmatic questions to riddles of your life. So to me, I felt that it's crucial as a feministic, also writer, to answer and to deal with, at least not to answer, but to raise the questions about the tension sometimes between motherhood and femininity and sexuality. Mm. And the places, all these can be part of what we call our multiple self, Mm. which are different aspects of personality. And I felt that in a sense, the Zohar and also the Bible and the Midrash, we didn't have time enough to speak many different readings of this uh, dynasty, but it's amazing to see how deep the
2: personality
3: under- in, in uh, the commentary on these stories. So, yes, I think to me it, it was kind of a personal redemption and giving voice to to these mothers and women because the Bible asks to give, him, to give them voice, to give them subjectivity. I think this question uh, attributed to Freud, what, what the woman wants,
2: mm-hmm.
3: uh, is, is like an internal question. Uh, and the answer in my book was that women want to give birth as an answer to death. Oh. They and I mean give birth not only to babies, which is, of course, important, but to give life, to be yeah. fertile, Yeah. To create yeah. something new. There is yeah. destruction of the city, destruct- destruction of the world, destruction of justice, destruction of uh, of the paternal uh, justice also and in, 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 uh, law. And they suggest none. They give life. They yeah. are very, beautiful
2: beautiful um, yeah
0: <laughs> um, so I want to uh, now uh, segue to your, your second book which is all about birth right um, yeah. uh, so your second book published in 2018 was Human Ropes Birth in Kabbalah and Psychoanalysis can you just give us a very, you know, two-minute synopsis uh, about two what it is and maybe talk about what your future directions are?
3: Okay. I will try in two minutes. I w- say that, again, uh, dealing more and more with not only the Zohar, but also later generation, Luriani, Kabbalah, and also the origins of Kabbalah, uh, led me into this understanding that. Kabbalists are interested in the feminine soul in the same sense of, you say, profiliation? Pirion, profiliation, uh, yes? Uh, I'd say fertility. 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 Uh, prolific,
2: um, prolific.
3: exactly, Proliferation. So, so proliferation that, fertility. Yeah. yeah, that's what they mean. Thank you. So, God or divinity is birthing itself all the time. And uh, the Kabbalist, based on the Midrash, talking about the idea of Tzelem Elohim, the, the image of God in the man, in a sense that it's not enough to be born in your physical body, but you should find what, what you are to fulfill yourself fully in order to give this face of the Shekhinah in the world place. So there is a processes of growth from this state of mind of embryonic and then a development into your full image, I think this is one of the main concepts the Kabbalah dealing with. And I try to, to show parallels in, in languages between psychoanalytic um, discussion of our memories from the womb and the, 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 the beginning of life and the place of, of birth as the most crucial moment in, in our life, maybe more than death because in, in uh, the meaning of life built on death. But here, birth is the big thing. Birth is the moment we came from nothingness into yesh, into being. So uh, I tried to, to, to build a bridge between psychoanalysis and Kabbalah. In the languages, they talk about the, the crucial moment of birth. Beautiful. And so what are
2: you working
3: on now? Yeah. So in some way, our conversation coming just on time, because I finished exactly now this week, my third book, dealing with King David. And uh, during the whole uh, writing of the book about the mother of the Messiah, I felt that there is so much to say about David as a hero with thousand faces already in the Bible. And then in... The and then in the Zohar. So my book focuses on Kabbalah because in Kabbalah there is a revolution. David is the Shekhinah. He, like the mothers of his lineage, because of them, become the Shekhinah, the divine presence. Almost every page and every homily in the Zohar deals with David as feminine figure. Mm. Which is It's also maybe an answer to polemics. Uh, between Jews and Christians in the Middle Ages, because Jews were accused of being feminine. So they say, yes, we are feminine, but it's a, it's a virtue. It's something to be proud of. And hmm. David, he is the malchut. He's ruling the worlds. I also thought about this concept that they don't have agency and they don't have autonomy and they don't have political freedom, but what they have, they have malchut, they are ruling in the divine realm. So it's mm-hmm. it's also dealing with the same questions of identity, of gender reversal, how male figures become the shekinah, so feminine and so weak. And maybe the Tsar uses David, the feminine, in order to clean him from the sin. He's not mm-hmm. responsible because he's a woman. So that... Many interesting questions, uh, which I left when I wrote about the Mothers of the Messiah. now, I hope, that will be published in my new book. Thank you. So,
0: wonderful, wonderful. Thank you so much, Ruth, um, for being our guest on New Books in Jewish Studies. I want to invite readers to look for her book, Holiness and Transgression, Mothers of the Messiah in the Jewish Myth published by Academic Studies Press in 2017, is that right? And I'm yes. looking forward to reading the fruits of your next research project, both the one on birth and the one on King David, um, and also your poetry. Uh, you clearly have a really stunning poetic soul, and um, it's just been a, such a pleasure to have a conversation with you, and um, thank you for your
3: time. Thank you, Rachel. It was wonderful. Thank you so much. Thank you for these deep questions and uh, 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 your understanding and this uh, dialogue. Thank you.